Digital Gonzo, episode 83, dated Thursday the 21st of June 2012, Alien vs. Predator. Seven days ago, one of my satellites over Antarctica discovered a pyramid. Where exactly on the ice is this? It's not on the ice. It's 2,000 feet under it. Let's make history. Whoever built this pyramid believed in ritual sacrifice. Did you hear that? What was that thing? What's going on? What did you say this room was called? Sacrificial chamber. This story's all here. This whole thing was a trap. They're not hunting us. We're in the middle of a war. They're using us as bait. This is the sixth of seven reviews of the Alien movies. It's also the fourth of five Predator movie reviews, as we covered Predator, Predator 2, and Predators in Digital Gonzo episodes 47 and 49. So far, we've looked at some that could be considered works of a director and a fair few with a hefty amount of studio meddling to muddy the creative waters. Now we're into the spin-offs, a pair of pictures that combine the two flagging licenses in an effort to milk these two withered cash cows until nothing comes out but green glowing acid blood. Subscribing to the notion that crappy movies are always a lot more fun to review, I, like Charles Bishop Wayland, have assembled a crack team numbering seven tonight. For the first time in the Alien series, Neil Taylor of Gameburst and KDS 2.0 is the one that got away, the one you don't fuck with. How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? You secure that shit, Hudson. Returning to the series, Leah Haydu of Gamerdork, who freely admits that she likes griping. Did I admit that? I mean, I, I kind of do, but... Matt Ramsey of Dork Tunes ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> Good evening. I like to keep Joshua Garrity of Kane and Rince handy for Close Encounters. So much stupid. <laughs> so much. <laughs> Sharon Shaw of Gonzo Planet mostly comes at night. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I can't back that up with paperwork. I, I, I'm going to write my own intros from now on, if that's all right. <laughs> and James Perkins of Geekwad is El Cazador Trofies de los Hombres. Good evening. Because most of the music in this film is bland and uninspiring, I am scoring this podcast with the soundtrack to the Super Nintendo version of Alien 3. Alien vs. Predator, hereafter known as AVP, was originally a project spawned by Dark Horse Comics. 
from 1987 onwards, they were producing first Aliens and then Predator comics, and then just prior to Predator 2's release in 1990, the idea was mooted to combine the two Fox franchises in a single comic throwdown, hence the Xenomorph Skull in that film Predator 2. The first comic miniseries centred around a colony being wiped out by xenomorphs that were intentionally placed there by predators for the purposes of hunting. It was adapted into a novel named Prey. Other comic crossovers include Alien vs. Predator vs. Terminator. Don't I'm read not it. making that shit up. That Don't actually follows it. on from Alien Resurrection. Yes, I know. Don't read it. I don't even, that, that can't actually happen. Those timelines contradict each other. Okay. Oh, it doesn't even make any sense in the comic either. Okay. Alien vs. Predator vs. Witchblade vs. Darkness, and Alien vs. Predator vs. Superman and Batman. Oh, by the way, did everyone see Batman Dead End? Yes. yes. Yeah. It's good fun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I recommend everyone uh, check out on, if you've got eight minutes spare, check out a fan-made film, which is made for 30 grand, called Batman Dead End on uh, YouTube. It features, I think I'm just probably going to link it uh, in the... Um, the show notes actually on the website because it's it features Batman taking on the Joker and then an alien turns up and then a predator turns up. It's great fun. And they seem to get um the Joker a bit more than Tim Burton did. That's not hard. Yeah. Don't hire Jack Nicholson. There was also a toy line that extended the Aliens one that I mentioned in the Alien 3 show. Also a number of related video games, including the rather spiffy Capcom Brawler, an Atari Jaguar FPS, a far superior 1999 PC version made by Rebellion, and its sequel made by Sierra, and the 2010 Xbox 360 and PS3 follow-up, again made by Rebellion. Now, these games were notable for introducing an alien-predator hybrid named the Praetorian in the games, and a Predalien elsewhere. The notion that a lone alien left to its own devices will cocoon itself and emerge as a queen was actually explored in this third uh, Xbox game. At the very end, when you finish the alien quest, you, you basically become a queen. It's a great idea. And it's one which we've mooted repeatedly on this show. And the character of Carl Whelan, played by Lance Henriksen, adds a bookend to the Whelan dynasty he started 176 years earlier in continuity in this very movie. Somewhere in the early 1990s, before he'd even had his directorial debut with the blistering Ram Raidathon Shopping, starring a young and blue-eyed Jude Law and son of Wurzel Gummidge Sean Pertwee, Paul W.S. Anderson had an idea for an Alien vs. Predator movie that he would one day love to direct. He envisioned a pyramid swarming with xenomorphs and an expansion of the universe that rivaled Jim Cameron's Aliens. On the one hand, he was punching far above his average director's weight. On the other, at least the man had a vision, which is more than could be said for the brothers Strauss. Ah! <laughs> Sorry, involuntary There's, action. There is to be no screaming until I say go. <laughs> oh, that's no fun. <laughs> so after much... <laughs> Slightly delayed. No, no, that's fine. So after much discussion at Hollywood and after Alien Resurrection underperformed at the box office, this project finally got off the ground with Anderson along for the ride and a PG-13 rating. Rather than talk about the confluence of events in the film, most of which have been seen before with better directing and far better delivery by superior actors, I'm instead going to focus on a few of my favourite moments throughout this review and let everyone have their say on where the movie sits with them. However, I will mercifully and briefly explain the plot. 
Mr. Whalen sets up a team of bland, dislikable humans led by a cold, militaristic type to travel to the most inhospitable place imaginable and find a key to mankind's civilization origins, which, as we all know, are linked to aliens. Turns out it was a trap, and the entire team comes a cropper as all alien hell breaks loose, leaving behind one plucky professional female. Sound familiar? To be more specific, the place they go to is a pyramid in the Arctic that predates Mayan, Aztec and Olmec architecture and was constructed with the help of the predator species by our ancient ancestors back before the ice had reached that area. It was ostensibly a hunting ground where the ritual manhood ceremony of a team of three predators would hunt the xenomorphs who would hatch from the bodies of willing sacrifices. Something went very wrong and they destroyed the whole area, wiping that civilization from the map to then be consumed by the ice. So, present day, a team of dull, barely written scientists turn up and immediately play into the narrative conventions of going into dark places they shouldn't in twos backwards and getting picked off by facehuggers, then xenomorphs, and soon three new predators looking to prove something. This all comes to a head when the outdoorsy-type girl finds herself the only one left and teams up with the remaining predator to deal with the alien threat. That's it. That is as much as I'm going to talk about the plot, such as it is. That is the plot. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> By the way, which version did people watch? Because there's two. Extended. I watched extended, but I didn't... Okay, uh, it, even though it was extended, I didn't feel any difference. The so, only difference with the extended version, I believe, is the beginning. Leah, stop chuckling at extended. What? <laughs> <laughs> Settle down, Beavis. What? <laughs> Uh, what, what is the difference? E- okay, you're going to have to tell me, Neil. When it's extended, what should the difference be? No, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> the extended it, version basically has the opening in, is it 1904? Oh, yeah. The Whaling Village uh, being wiped out. Well, we... Oh, was that not already the theatrical version? I don't think that's the actual... No, I don't think that it's, is in the theatrical. I, I can vaguely remember seeing it at the uh, cinema, but I, I'm probably wrong. Either way, that actually is going to be my next question. What happened 100 years ago? Because it's not made entirely clear. Uh, aliens, predators had a Barney, took out whalers. <laughs> really? Bad, bad shit went down. <laughs> so do you think that that was um, that pretty much the same thing has happened now, in 2004, happened again? So, like, they just they drilled through the predator... The <sighs> It doesn't I mean, make sense because they needed so much technology to get down there. They needed so much technology to get down there, which implies that the Predators drilled the hole for them and then just sort of sat back and waited for them to wander down the hole and then get caught by the aliens. So basically, the whole film, this one, feels like like a like, like it all depends on the humans going down there in the first place. And if they didn't, then the Predators have got nothing to hunt because otherwise all they've got is facehuggers. Unless the predator, you know, I, I'll take a stab at, you know, Anderson decides, you know all that honour stuff that we had with the predators, mm-hmm. even though they are sore losers? Uh, Near, forget that, because, you know, the predators later on are psychos, so mm. why not? Maybe oh, they just took can... some humans down there and just went, eh, have a facehugger. <laughs> have a facehugger. <laughs> te- and according to this movie, wait five minutes. Three minutes, I timed it. Oh, God. Jesus, just three minutes? That's how long the attention span of the average kid they were expecting was going to be watching this film was. Um, It it, it was three minutes because it had to be, because there was just too much shit to get done afterwards. Um, So anyway, yeah. uh, I I don't know exactly what happened 100 years ago. It could have been an actual hunting ritual. It could have been the predators came to check on their site and noticed that there was a whaling station there, and there shouldn't have been. And they sort of went down there to, to... 
get rid of all the people and then aliens happen. That I don't get. Because there's an alien there too, up on the surface. That's why I think the extended cut is the one that has that part in, because um, I, I got... It, it raises more sense. questions than it answers. <laughs> uh, uh, what was what surprise? An Anderson film has a plot hole. No. Um, actually, on that note, what actually happened thousands of years ago? Thousands of years ago, before the dawn of man as we knew him, there was Sir Santa of Claws, an ape-like creature making crude and pointless toys out of dino bone and his own waste, hurling them at chimp-like creatures with crinkled hands, regardless of how they behaved the previous year. These so-called toys were buried as witches and defecated upon and hurled at predators who were awoken by the searing grunts of the children. It wasn't a holly jolly Christmas that year, for many were killed. Well, that still doesn't tell me why... I'm not finished. You should have gotten a snack. A warlike race of elves from the Red Planet landed on the ice-encased Earth, and they were immediately enslaved by the unevolved Santa ape to make his confused toys using galactic elfin technology for Evermore Sancionados. Toys were made into recognizable shapes and given names like Train. But these toys were also thrown at predators and defecated upon because they were so stupid. Thousands of years ago, the ice had made the globe innavigable. Santa Ape did not know what a North Pole was. How could he? He was born before science existed, so he arbitrarily placed his workshop right here, long before they unionized. And Christmas was celebrated at each full moon in front of the great red Wait, ape. wait, 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 wait. Who, who unionized? Wouldn't you like to know? Probably your mama. Dang, she makes me sad that they had to open their doors in front of an ape and they were all made out of doo-doo. What kind of Christmas is that? It's okay, Meatwad. This is all a bunch of bull. But the elves came from the red planet, and there was much defecation. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. How long ago did you say this was? Thousands of years ago. No, shut up. Remember those thousands of aliens swarming up the pyramid? How did that happen? Did a facehugger get out? Maybe. Did a facehugger get out? Some facehuggers get out? I don't know. Some? How many some, Neil? A it's couple of thousand. <laughs> a couple of thousand. How did a couple of thousand yeah, face Again, I think that was just used to illustrate the point of this is what happens when it goes wrong. We're not going to tell you how it goes wrong. It just went <laughs> wrong. I, I think a predator was just playing like a hoax or something. It just thought, oh, it'd be hilarious if it just released all these face huggers <laughs> and it went really wrong. Hits up. Yeah. Well, that's a story for another movie. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, Sharon mentioned that the that the these the concentration of people required for that simply didn't exist back then. But then again, this is a fictional civilization anyway, so let's say it did. <laughs> okay, stop arguing, because it's devastating to the plot of this if you do. <laughs> There's so, a plot? A pl- apparently.
I have a bullet point here for the humans. Anyone want to go on this? They're boring and forgettable. I wanted them all to die. Okay, hang on. Leah first. They don't have any real person. Like, you know, the the first couple of films, at least the characters that you have running around are people that you maybe give a shit about, or at the least you can tell them from one another. I couldn't give you all of the names of the people in this movie if I tried. I, I just... They all kind of blend together. They all got separated up in the pyramid and killed slowly and or quickly. There was that one chick with the David Bowie haircut that I don't know why she was there or why she had guns. I just, I don't, I have no clue. I have no investment in these people whatsoever. Well, uh, the only reason that Alexa Wood's there is because she's the, she's the Ripley stand-in wannabe yeah. for this film. So she's there because they needed a Ripley type. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Josh? Well, they're all delightful stereotypes, aren't they? I mean, you have the Italian guy who's Italian. Uh, you have the Scottish guy who's uh, Scottish. Who was spoiled from transporting. You and Brenner yeah. keep showing up in films and making them less good. He turned up in Welcome to the Jungle and it was less good because he was there. Well, that, that, I really kind of summed up my feelings on the characters with that li- delightful little description. Um, they're just, you know, they're not actually characters. They're just caricatures. They're there uh, to you know, spawn the aliens so that you can you can yeah. see some characters you care about. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Fucked up right there. Yeah, that's the thing. In this movie, the aliens and the predators are the guys you're rooting for. The Shannon. humans are just there to have an excuse for those creatures to exist. Sharon, you specifically said the person you feel most sorry for is the queen because she's all tied up and forced to lay eggs. In that initial stage, yeah, it's the, the setup that they got her in just evoked instant sympathy. Mm, like a battery hen. Yeah. This is jumping forward a little bit, but since we're talking about the queen, um, relating back to uh, resurrection, why, if the, the predators have been breeding these aliens for so long, did they not realize that the restraints they have the queen in can be burnt <laughs> by her own blood? By acid, why? which commands the high... Why? Because My about, God, why? They're about as bright as Brad Dourif, clearly. <laughs> clearly, I mean, the predators actually have acid-neutralizing gear. So you'd think they'd construct the queen's restraints with them. Did they? All their gear melted. Oh, I don't remember. The, the, the net melted? The I think stupid I may have, long wishblades melted? I may have heard those stupid blades. I may have heard that the predator's blood is very high alkaline, which neutralizes the alien acid to some degree. I didn't see any alien predators get burnt. Oh, no, actually. No, you're they right. They burned themselves! <laughs> they burned everything about them. Yeah. Okay, I, I suppose that's to make sure that the alien's blood is still scary. And boy, were they. They were mask happy in this movie as well, weren't they? Any excuse to take the mask off? Hang on, were they? There's one guy, Scar takes it off, and then marks himself on the head. That's not any excuse, that's the core reason why he's there. He's killed an alien, and he's like, yes! Yes, in the middle of an alien-infested pyramid... Yeah, probably could have worked on that one. I'm going to take the mask off. I'm sure there's no convenient facehugger around. The narrative required him to do it. The air is full of oxygen, but I'm going to take my helmet off. I was just about to say, Neither Venus, Charlie Holloway. Yeah. <laughs> Can I also say that Colin Sa- is it Salmon's only reason to be in this movie <laughs> is to, di- is to uh, die kind of like he died in Resident Evil? Yes. He that's got, yeah. his only reason for being. That's, that's what I was thinking re-watching it yesterday. I was just like, 
Hmm, this seems strangely familiar. There is one bit, actually, in the deleted scenes. Did anyone watch them? No. Uh, where he asks Wayland, uh, and he does it in a weird kind of like... Remember this guy actually put himself in the running to play Bond? Uh, he says it almost in a Daniel Craig way, even though this was uh, two years before Daniel Craig actually played Bond. Um, he says, I need to know what this man died for. Wayland says something like, you know, he died for glory. And then he says, whose? Yours? And it's, it's like this kind of like, maybe at this point there's a bit of conflict between them. And that was like the best characterization in the entire movie, and they cut it out. So yeah, I mean, it's still not fantastic characterization, but it's, uh, it made his character a bit more than just the company guy. I take, I take back what I said about none of them being uh, distinguishable from each other in the least. I <laughs> did remember him because his voice sounds a lot like Patrick Stewart's. Yes. Like, yes. Strikingly so. Didn't it strike you quite like Jurassic Park when the Italian bloke, I don't know his name, uh, wandered up from his dig site where he just found a thing, and he was like, oh, God, they're going to cancel the dig. And he's like, well, Mr. Hammond can help you with this. And then they immediately jumped to the helicopter, and she's going off to the alien park. <laughs> he did a bit now, you point that out. Uh, and then when the, uh, the queen turns up at the end, she's basically a T-Rex with a hat on. <laughs> <laughs> so any, any, any more on the humans? I think we've given them three minutes they deserve. Can we be thankful that it's not Mila Jolovich in the lead role for this movie, which is a rarity when it's an Anderson movie? Well, weren't they married at this point? Actually, you know what? I'd, enough respect to the actress who played her, who was all right, but I actually would quite have liked to have seen Mila Jolovich play. She can't I act! I, did not, I didn't say act, I just said play. <laughs> good point. <laughs> Technicality, but good point. She could have kicked an alien in slow motion. <laughs> Although that that was kind of cool, the face huggers in bullet time. Yeah, uh, just slow motion. Let's let's not call it bullet time if it's not. That she was... got she got married to Paul W S Anderson in two thousand nine. Yeah, that was after uh, Resident Evils one, two, and three. Yeah, yeah. She's got too used to having them. her around. Yeah. <laughs> Much like um, who's that that talentless guy who did uh, the Underworld films? Len Wiseman. Yeah, Len Wiseman uh, married um, Kate Beckinsale because, you know, she just fell for all of his, 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 his incredible charisma and, uh, and raw power and talent. Are they still together? I don't care. Okay, actually, speaking of characters that we do care about, the Predators, let's talk about them. You um, mean the Psychos? What? Okay, well, are they Psychos? They didn't seem that psychotic. They were more consistent than the Predator in uh, AVPR. The Wolf uh, Predator in uh, AVPR. We'll keep him separate because it's a completely different film. Yeah. These films um, are not actually linked. It's important to note. Um, these guys seem like Predator Elite. Like, um, I'm assuming if a Predator's first prey is a human, like they were in the Predator 1 and Predator 2, mm-hmm. he's kind of fairly low down on the chain of Predators. Actually, no, other way around. Uh, they have to earn those guns. Th- those guys who were uh, in Predators 1 and 2 had already done this xenomorph hunt. They actually consider uh, man to be more dangerous, especially when they're, they're, they've been given guns and things. Um, so, so, 
And yeah, obviously those guys were hunting on their own as well, which is completely different. Basically, those were three teenage predators um, who were... The the whole scarring himself, that that guy there, was him saying, I am a man now. So so that guy was like 18 years old. So when the queen turns up at the end, he's like, motherfucker! Because he's not prepared to handle that. That wasn't part of the deal. Oh, God, okay. Because in the the uh, it's pretty much expanded upon in the book, in Prey, and they're not actually. I don't think they're allowed to mark themselves in the book. They have to, there's sort of there's the teenage ones, and there'll be a leader, and he yeah. and when they successfully complete the the xenomorph hunt, yeah. the leader is the, the one that marks it, them. Yeah. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So that when that guy that that uh, predator does it earlier in the film, not only is it completely narratively stupid, as in he shouldn't be doing that, shouldn't be taking his helmet off, but it actually doesn't even make sense in their culture. Yeah, well, it, it does because on screen that's the only representation we've got so that's far. That's a fair so. point. Yeah. Okay. But uh, it still strikes me as a stupid time to do it. Yeah. But at that point, what hadn't the other two been taken out? One of them gets taken out in a second. Chopper is the one with the really long blade, as you would imagine. He, I think he just kills a human. He's the one that kills um, poor Colin Salmon with a net and then gets punked by one alien uh, who stabs him with his tail. That one alien is the smartest of all the aliens. It is named the Grid Alien because of the um, the net markings on its head later on after it fights Celtic Predator. Celtic Predator is the one that has the big Barney with Grid Alien. Now, this is one of the core bits of the film for me that is so stupid, but also hugely enjoyable for me. I love this fight. It's utterly gormless. It makes no sense. But it's basically... it's. The Predator, as you've always wanted to see him, in a full-out ruck with, I mean, lots of kind of wrestling-type, leaping-through-the-air moves. Yeah, um, this is... One alien. Yeah, this is sort of a carryover, because if you've seen... I'm going to mention another versus movie now, and probably get booed. Freddy versus Jason. That's how the end of that movie goes. They seem to, to go into this over-the-top superhero smash-you-through-wall stuff. And yeah. they do it in this fight, and it's... But if they'd have done that in the other movie, the, the alien would probably have snapped and sprayed blood, and the predator probably wouldn't be able to swing it through a, 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 a thousand-year-old stone pillar. Three-thousand-year-old <laughs> obsidian pillar, yeah. Well, they don't make them like they used to, then. It would appear not. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a great where they show all the the the, the way they fight, and it's I mean, it's it's total teen fantasy type stuff. And not even particularly well-developed in fantasy. But, uh, but like I said, it's, you know, after all of the humans have gone on and on and droned on and on, it's great to finally see it. It's like, right, okay, gloves are off, let's have a fight. And, yeah, great. Stupid, but I love it. That bit. You know what, actually, that's a good point. It's, it's kind of written like really bad fan fiction. Mm. In fact, huh. I, I maintain that um, uh, AVPR is actually pretty much just an extremely expensive fan film, and they aren't even that particularly good fans of either series. Okay, so there's, there's a fight. Almost immediately, there's a fight. Actually, it takes a while. Again, like Jurassic Park, they hold back on the creatures. They hold back to you halfway through, and then they show you them. Okay, quick question, because obviously before we get to that point, the, mm. the predators take the, the guys out who are left behind at the wedding station out because they have guns. Do they? Why do they have guns? Um, in, oh, uh, I actually, Sharon asked this. I think it's because they're expecting a, t- a strike team from the Utani company to come bursting in to try and take the pyramid themselves, and it's to keep them at bay. 
I know Waylon mentions the fact that, you know, others will come, but it, it, it's sort of like, this is the Arctic. You have guns. It just it was one of those, oh, they've just got guns, so it's okay for the predators to kill them, really. Maybe a polar bear? I don't know. The dude at the, uh, who gets thrown down the shaft doesn't have a gun and gets run through with a spear in what I consider to be somewhat un- of an unfair scenario by an invisible predator. They are a lot less honourable. But then again, they are also teenagers. They haven't got the maturity of, uh, of age that, um, say, the first Predator had. Mm, yeah, I can, I, I, so I guess that. It's just, it's just with the previous two films, apart from the fact they're bad losers, they sort of have been shown to be honourable. Mm, mostly. 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 But ultimately, the other thing is that if you've played the AVP games, if you're a Predator, you can't really just leave guys wandering around with guns, because the second they see you, they just open fire on your back. And they can be shot, and they can be killed. So... And also, yeah, that guy actually opens fire on the Celtic Predator, shoots him through the shoulder, and it's like, Motherfucker! Shoot me! Oh, hell no! <laughs> oh, hell no, you didn't just shoot me! <laughs> For some possibly reason, the most racist conversation I've ever been party to. And it's but, accidental! It's... <laughs> just, <laughs> what, have you never What's watched Transformers? Racist against Predators. No, 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 it's not no, your no, fault. No, no, I know what you mean. It just feels like that kind of movie. Uh, although the Predators don't talk, they're... they're, they're their expressions uh, belie that particular sentiment of, oh, hell no. I don't know. Maybe I'm not saying that sentence off. again now. I'm worried yeah, I'm being please, racist. please don't say that again. Yeah, you're racist. I can't handle it. <laughs> Look, we've been raised on a diet of Michael Bay. Forgive us. That's what I'm saying. It's not your fault that you're British. It's just how it is. <laughs> you racist. Okay. So, Adrian, ironically, the xenomorphs. Let's talk about the aliens. They actually modelled these guys much more on the first alien from the Ridley Scott classic and not on the ridge-headed ones favoured by Matt Harrier uh, or, uh, of course, Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection where they went all brown and they didn't look right, um, mainly because of the, sort of the basic CGI and rod puppetry of the time. Um, those two, Alien 3 and uh, Resurrection and this and AVPR are the main alien, the hero alien, if you will, the one who you can see most of all, is an actor named Tom Woodruff Jr., uh, who has kind of you know, made his career being this alien. And uh, he's, he's extremely good at it now. And they, they actually swap him out ever so occasionally for when, when he got tired and when they did a shot that, they, that would actually be dangerous to a human, uh, they had a hydraulic puppet uh, full-sized, as opposed to the half-sized one which they put on using blue screen in Alien 3, and that actually had a smaller waist than him, so it made it look a little less like a guy in a suit for some crucial shots. And then every so often, uh, they had a shot that they physically couldn't do with a guy, and they couldn't do with a puppet, so they briefly did a few frames of CGI. But I've actually watched the, uh, the documentaries on it, and they did painstaking lighting checks. They actually put like a, an alien head, an alien body, in the actual scene, and checked where the lighting would be on it, just for reference points for all the animators. So they actually they tried their absolute best to only use CGI if they possibly could. The, um, oh, the John Bruno is the name of the uh, uh, VFX team, and it, as Paul Anderson said... Um, 
Again, he's still just an average director, but this was a neat thing to say. Uh, ideally, to John, he would like to capture a real predator and a real alien in the wild and film it as a documentary. But failing that, we'll have a guy in a suit. I was going to say, um, the aliens in this film, I, I actually do really like the look of them. Um, mm. um, because I've said on this podcast before, I'm a big fan of the first alien and that alien's design. Mm. And these aliens definitely hark back to that. Um, and they Very look gigorish. better than, yeah, and they look better than the resurrection ones, which were red-ish, brownish, and that's especially underwater. That was really brown. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I like I like that they're black, jet black, the way they should be, mm. um, and yeah, they they look cool. They're well designed. I, you know, say what you will about this, the director Paul W S Anderson. I think he does. He does a good job with visuals. I think he knows how to shoot a scene. He's just not very good with actors or dialogue. Or any, he would be ideally suited to do music videos for the rest of his life. Yeah. yeah. And, with aliens. And, and, yeah, yeah. And this film does look good, but, yeah, but there's nothing much more to it, to be honest. There is one actor who is actually noteworthy. Bishop. Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Yeah, I actually really like uh, his character in this, and he, he's very serious. I think he's, he, someone said he'd done 90 films at this point, so he's, he's a man of his craft. And although his character doesn't really have much meat on his bones, he kind of makes him a little bit sad and a little bit kind of, you know, I have possibly just minutes to live. I am going to go out in glory. And just unfortunately picks a fight with the wrong predator. And either way, he's, uh, he's more likable than his grandson... I think I've theorised that uh, the the character of Wayland, in uh, who features occasionally in Prometheus, uh, he's okay. more likable than Wayland in Prometheus. That's all I'll say. Did you also notice he did the uh, the thing with the pen? Yes, I did the the, the knife trick with the, with the yeah. pen. That was that neat. was a nice touch. I did actually quite like that. You know, there, there are occasional nice touches with him. The, the thing where he uh, talks to um, Alexa about. Uh, her father, you know, dying up on the mountain and him, you know, him considering that dying, doing something that was actually in the spirit of adventure was actually worth it. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, right. So I suppose he's kind of got, got a bit of John Hammond in there. So yeah, Lance Henriksen was in there and when he dies, the film becomes less good. This was the first film to do with aliens and predators that I actually saw because obviously... It's a PG-13. <laughs> it was a PG-13. It came out in 2004 when I was coming up to 14. You know, I'd, <laughs> I'd just hit my teens. Um, so I, I watched it and I thought... I, I quite enjoyed it, but I was like, well, people have told me that the original Alien and Predator films are had a lot better, apart from Resurrection, obviously. Um, but... That's what kind of spurred me on to go and check out the originals. But what I was going to say is, Josh, because you're basically the same age as me, a little bit older, I think, by a year or so. um, What was the first... Was this the first one that you saw and made you want to go back and watch the other ones? Or Uh, did you watch everything in complete order? uh, No, actually, I watched um, everything in complete order because uh, my dad is very lenient when it comes to uh, age ratings of films. (laughs) I've got to so, say, God bless your dad. Did you say he listened to the Alien Three podcast? Yeah, 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 and liked it. Yeah, no, he's he's a nerd. So it's God, yeah, hello, Josh's dad. Thumbs up. 
Well done. You've, you've raised your son very, very well. He has a deep appreciation of film. Anyway, um, I'm getting embarrassed now. Um, <laughs> Make him blush. <laughs> and is incredibly insightful and talented. Right, so, set design and costumes. Before, before you go on to that, I actually did come up with something else. Yeah. Um, and it just, I, you might want to put this somewhere else, I don't know. But, um, That's what she said. Which is indeed what she said, yes. <laughs> 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 but no, I just, brief comment on the rating. Um, I looked at the uh, Blu-ray case while I was, you know, starting to watch the film, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that it is rated PG-13 for is slime. <laughs> That's actually a reason. Involves <laughs> some slime, which may be frightening for children below the age of 13. Seriously, so that, that is... Oh, God, not the slime! Not look, the slime! What, let me tell you, when you're 13 years old, you're well acquainted with slime. Ooh. <laughs> Yep. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to comment on you know, the fact that it's rated PG-13. Mild slime. <laughs> it does. Actually, on that note of slime, did you notice how many people, every time they see something slimy, not just in this film, in every alien film, they put their hand in it. They have to stick their hand in it, yes. So that's, that's disturbing. And it's never acid. They never put their hand in acid and go, Jesus Christ! It's always just like an alien skin that's been left behind. It's, and then they pick up a gun and it's covered in slime and they go, Ugh. It's like they've got to make the slime work on the camera and go, Look how incredibly slimy it is. Uh, no one ever- if you're going to put it in your rating, then it better be omnipresent. <laughs> this better be some great slime, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, no one ever sort of goes to touch slime and is like, Don't touch that. It could be something really poisonous. Like, I don't know, black slime? Anyway. By the way, just on the subject of slime, does anybody else want to go and suddenly look at the rating of Ghostbusters 2 just to see if it mentions slime? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Maybe it's because the slime specifically was KY Jelly. Um, I believe it was called Personal Lubricant. Yeah, they, they might say, like, if they, if they talk about that in the commentary or something, I don't know, that might make it unsuitable for anybody under the age of 30. Because all the other lubricants are so impersonal. <laughs> God, come on, we've got to finish this. It's such a crap film. Right, so, set designs and costumes. Uh, this, this, again, um, they actually do really well. This, this, over AVPR, at least they take you to an exotic location and you sort of susp- suspend belief that you're in a, so- a sort of alien origin pyramid. And it's... It's an unusual, shadowy place, and they were trying to differentiate it from uh, the Indiana Jones and the Mummy films by having it be all black. And so, yeah, I, I think that bit at least works, and it, it, it gets a bit kind of monochromatic at times, which is good. But I really would have liked for most of the humans to, I mean, first off, for us to like the humans and actually not want them to die at all. Um, but second, for them to get split up into teams of one and then end up, you know, maybe five or six of them spread out throughout the pyramid trying to find their way around in the dark and trying to get out. But no talking, just all visual storytelling and them seeing what's going on. Occasionally, some of them falling a victim to the aliens, victim to the predators um, or just, you know, having terrible accidents. But if it had been all visual storytelling, that would have been so much better. But they talk at each other all the time. And it's such shitty dialogue that you, you actually find yourself, A, not caring about them more, and B, wanting them to die more, quicker, and in messier, horrible ways. Which aren't really provided by the PG-13 certificate, unfortunately. 
they try to make you feel because there's the two that are parents, aren't they? Uh, I've got kids. The I also have kids. kids oh, yeah. no, alien. What <laughs> yeah, they good? tried. <laughs> The only, well, actually, the only interesting one they did is the, the Italian guy when the moment they chose to pick him off was quite interesting. It's when he goes yeah. to rescue... What's her face? <laughs> Not Ripley. Alex. Alexa. They run away from some aliens and they jump across... Um, a chasm. A gap. A chasm. Oh, yeah, that's it. And he's trying to pull her up and then he gets yanked away by an alien. But that leads to actually the best part of the movie because when she's on her own and she's running around the corridors and it's just complete silence and you don't know what's there, suddenly it actually becomes a little bit more tense and it's better shot and more focused. And then there's actually a really good shot where she's in the foreground and the camera just pans ever so slightly to the right and then way down the corridor behind her, the predator is just standing looking at her. That's the best shot in the film. And it then leads, gives way to the alliance between the two of them and the communication between the two of them, which has got to be almost entirely non-verbal, which, again, is so much better than any written word in that entire script. And then they sort of, you know, they, they collaborate, and she ends up with the spear that's made of the alien tail, and he sort of communicates the, um, that the acid won't burn on the, uh, the shield that she's using, although I don't think the shield actually came in handy, but it's, it's sort of, it's, it's a ceremonial warrior shield, warrior maiden moment, which I actually really like. It makes, if you're going to have a team up with the humans and one of the other aliens, it's, it only makes sense that it happens with the predators. Mm. Um, I, I don't know how much I like, because the predators have been seen to be kind of just like treat humans as tools for their, you know, their sports. They basically, they, the, the, when they turn the uh, facility on, it started like flashing, giving off heat and they detected it. That was just to lure them in and uh, provide the aliens with uh, hosts. So they clearly don't actually give a shit about any of these humans, and this predator is more than capable of handling the enemies on his own. Well, not that she's going to be much more help to him, even if he can't handle it. So I I don't understand the motives behind him suddenly going... Yeah, all right. Let's be friends. I hate to say Yay. this in the comic book. It's a, it's and the book. It's slightly more clear because the the broken tusk from the comic and the book. Mm. He sees her as an equal because she actively kills aliens. So he sees her as almost like a, a sort of human predator, if you will. Mm. Whereas in this, she sort of kills that alien by accident. Yeah, she just holds up a spear and doesn't die. Yeah, it kind of throws itself on the spear. Yeah. <laughs> I, again, though, it's, it's difficult to really see her, that actress, actually killing an alien by hand. Now, Mila Jovovich, with all her slow-mo jumping and running, could probably have done it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Was, the only reason I want to see Mila Jovovich in the era is so she got face-hugged. <laughs> I, I would hug her face. Anyway, actually, now that I mentioned it, I said before that the Predators consider us to be a threat. Now they do. Because when they first met us, we had spears. 
But more recently, we've developed, in, I mean, in just in the past hundred years, the amount of weaponry we, we've developed, the amount of gadgets and the amount of intelligence that has generated in our species has suddenly put us on the map with them. So, yeah, now we actually figure to them as, as dangerous as these xenomorphs. Well, they, as you said before, the soft meat, which they refer to us as, they, they, we're, we're very dangerous. Mm. We fight back and we're, we're unpredictable. I think mm. that's why they consider us dangerous. Cause yeah, because the aliens just behave on instinct. That may be why they're not supposed to go into the um, pyramid until the human hosts have already been implanted, because they're yeah. potentially a threat up to that point. Obviously, once they've been chest-bursted, not so much. Well, that's also part of the ceremony, so that the humans don't bugger up the alien ceremony. So, yeah, then there's the team-up, and then they take out the Queen, which is, again, visually quite interesting, and, and the Queen is, is, is a genuine threat again, and uh, it was just a sort of joyful moment to see her on screen and tear-assing around. And they actually went back to Cameron's original designs, and they managed to make her waist as small as Cameron originally intended, but couldn't because he had to have guys in there puppeteering her. Um, so you know the CG queen is again they've they've minimised the amount of uh, CG trickery they had to do with her, but uh, but she feels very solid, which I like. Just reminded me actually the, the opening shot, I think, which is the theatrical cuts opening shot, pays homage to Aliens, where you see the communication satellite. Mm, yes, it, but, but it looks like a queen. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, I did like that. That was oh, a nice God. little nod. This, it's, but, it's basically it's like a giant bowl of turd soup with marshmallows floating in it and you know you pick up the marshmallows you brush them off and they're not that bad but you've got to eat the turd soup as well it's it's tesco soup is what it is it's sort of averagey bland okay yeah maybe that's maybe turd soup is too bad the next Next film is turd soup soup. but is that alien queen dead because Um, i'm I'm sure i read somewhere maybe one of the other comics or one of the other books that the one in space didn't die did that queen that one, the queen from the start, we've seen her immersed in uh, something very cold. Liquid nitrogen or something like that. So is the frozen, is it the frozen water going to kill her? Is it, is it deep enough to, well, you know, No, because if, if space can't kill it, yeah. then the frozen, frozen water's going to be nothing. Basically, uh, does she need to breathe, is the question. Can yeah. she filter air, oxygen, or, or whatever she needs to, to survive out of the water itself? Because ultimately, oh, you can't filter anything out of space. Well, we know for a fact an alien can survive in, in space because in Aliens, the Queen does so. She goes through the atmosphere mm. in the landing gear recess of a pretty Good point. Yep. Actually, she can survive almost burning, you know, burning up in the atmosphere and space. Water's going to be a cinch. So what she's going to do is chew through the chain, swim up, and all bang, she's back again. She's also, I just, real, just realised the first movie you said, yes, it can survive in space, doesn't it? Because she shoots it out the, out the door on the whole And then it goes, oi, let me back in again, and knocks on the door. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, um, the answer to that is probably not, and the uh, Wayland yutani company probably looked in the wrong place when looking for the xenomorph. They could just have gone back to the Arctic and just... Gone on there with a submarine, Cameron style. Queen just sat down there, whistling, uh, going, "Fucking <laughs> ages! This is rubbish." Occasionally oh. pulling at the chain. Oh, still not rusted. Meet my new brood, the Aqua Face Huggers. <laughs> <laughs> and Alien vs Predator Three was born. <laughs> oh, don't joke, no, don't no, even joke about that. No. Don't is this some kind of weird crossover between Aliens and the Piranha movies? <laughs> <laughs> Josh, if that happens, I'm blaming you. You've just made know. that a possibility. No, now. we've just given DC the perfect crossover. 
Alien versus... It's not Namor, that's Marvel, isn't Aquaman. it? Aquaman. Aquaman. Thank you. Aquaman <laughs> versus Aliens. <laughs> Why not? Batman and Superman have had a go, so have the Green Lanterns. I'm still betting on Aquaman. He's got his own comic. He can talk to dolphins. He can talk to sharks. When they're face-hugged, he can't. We've got on a weird... Blowhole-hugged. Oh! That sounds... Wrong. What would an alien look like in the Arctic? (laughs) Okay, what would an alien look like that came from a whale? Now, that would be interesting. I want to see a whale alien. Whalian. Whalian. Well, for a start, it would... In the sea, no one can hear you. It would have to swim for about 20 metres before it even got to ribcage. Dude, somebody send us an artist's rendering of Whalian. <laughs> Please. Seriously. Maybe it was Whalian Yutani that actually sent us <laughs> to find his ancestors. This film, it's called Alien vs. Predator, but it doesn't quite feel like either franchise. Hmm. You know how they've got that sort of feeling they try for it they definitely go for the claustrophobic feeling with the pyramid changing it doesn't have the machismo of the predator franchise which is really kind of all about muscles and guns and uh, or danny glover or or indeed danny glover's version of muscles you are one ugly motherfucker although she does say that to an alien there's sort of little flashes and nods he is definitely flushed and nods. This one's, although I'll say this, this one still at least tries to feel like an alien predator thing, unlike the next one. Mm, yeah. well, it's, next it's clear that the people who made this really, really love the alien movies and, and do their best at sort of trying to imitate them. It's most specifically like the original. I suppose it's, it's got the flavour of aliens, sort of. You couldn't it, bring yourself to say that, could you? Um, you know that, that you can't call things, legally you can't call it strawberry flavour if it's got no strawberry in it. You've got to call it strawberry flavoured. So yeah. this is kind of aliens flavoured. Or, or yeah, yeah. Actually, strangely <laughs> enough, I understand what you're trying to say. It's, it's not alien, it doesn't quite feel like the previous alien franchise, but it's mm. still got something of it there. Yeah. It has it's alien not- DNA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> T-shirts filling up on Monday. Oh, one more thing is that ultimately this wins over the next one because it's sort of about something. The the whole the, the communication between her and the uh, the, the predator. It's that the, there is something that passes between them, albeit on a shallow level. It's sort of about a connection between the species. The next one is not. Did it bother anybody else that when she gets the mark put on her cheek? It's like this little beauty mark that's kind of cute and not, you know, a mark that's made by fucking acid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm terribly burned with acid. Oh, actually, It should be a star that's cool. signifying something, and it's like, it's like he drew it on with eyeliner or some shit. It's stupid. Yeah. And also that's excruciatingly painful. And then, um, yeah, well, so are tattoos. Suck it up. Then he's going to pierce her ear with a thumbtack, and uh, then they're going to watch Dirty Dancing. It's going to happen. <laughs> Can we have an honest rendition of that? Her and her predator sat on a sofa trying to watch Dirty Dancing. That's around their heads, wearing bath robes. <laughs> Anything else on this piece of work? Terrible. It's terrible. As in no redeeming features whatsoever. Not enough. It's just a really pants film. 
I can't even I can't even muster up the enthusiasm to hate it that much really. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it, We're not going to contradict you if you say it's utter, utter, utter shit. But it's not. That's the problem. It's it, If it were utter shit, like the next one is, then at least there would be something to keep you interested because you would have something to rail against. Now it's just kind of... Uh, Meh. Yeah, Meh. exactly. Thank you. There's it's just, a ton it's of things. Beige. 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 <laughs> <laughs> They've got so the beige aliens. Beige, yeah. Alright, so yeah, that's it for Alien vs. Predator, the uh, the Paul W. Sanderson effort. I you know, I'm probably going to see this film a couple more times in my life, and uh I'll probably sort of enjoy it. Best I can say, really. I prefer Mortal Kombat of the films that he's done. But it doesn't do it in a fun way. The one thing it doesn't do, uh, which, say, um, Resurrection, which um, various people said, Jhene beats Anderson, hands down, um, the, is that the, the film sort of makes sense in a dumb kind of way, whereas Alien Resurrection had so many things of it that really didn't make sense and actually made me sort of angry at how nonsensically stupid the whole thing was. And it was boring, and all the characters were dislikable as well. And there were no good action sequences, whereas at least in this, you get that, that fight between Celtic Predator and the alien, which is kind of kick-ass, for me at least. And uh, then the, the whole alien queen team up at the end, which is good fun. Play. Okay. That's all from us on uh, AVP. We'll be back for AVPR on Sunday. I'd like to thank all my guests. Leah Haydu, Matt Ramsey, Sharon Shaw, Neil Taylor... James Perkins, Joshua Garrity. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on. So you've been listening to Digital Gonzo. I've been Alex Shaw. And this Christmas, there will be no peace on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>